This is New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing you can do for the show is to tell somebody else about it, help spread the word, and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. Lutenist Ron McFarlane is usually pretty busy with the Baltimore concert. And Carolyn Surick, well, she's a founding member of Ensemble Galilee. So when the global pandemic hit last year, they finally had the time to see if the two of them could make music together. And they had this incredible musical connection. They put out their first recording last year, and now they've just released their second recording. And it's a collection of holiday music and some originals as well. It's called A Star in the East. And it's what you'll hear about this week on New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. Let's start off by just having you tell me what you've been up to since I spoke with you last. I know Ron was talking about having the opportunity to reunite with the Baltimore Consort. Why don't you start and tell us a little bit about what that's been like to reunite with your um, longtime colleagues? Sure. Well, after playing pretty exclusively with Carolyn and otherwise practicing by myself at home for the last 18 to 20 months, uh, Baltimore Consort has been back on tour in October and November. And it's it's been great to see my old friends again. We've been together since 1980. And we've never gone this long without seeing one another. Uh, we're spread out all over the country, both East Coast, West Coast, and in between. Um, but we had, had a great tour together. Um, great seeing my old friends. They're really some of my closest friends. And um, we just had a joyous time playing music again. Carolyn, how about you? What have you been doing since we spoke last, uh, in addition to performing and making music with Ron? Yes, well, actually, Ron and I have some really cool news. We have uh, created some new music videos for the release of the CD, A Star in the East. And uh, the last time, last year, when we were releasing our first CD together, we had this incredibly great technical team to do the video for us. But what we did was we sort of did four videos in one day. We sat in the same place. And we um, played as beautifully as we could possibly play. And so this year, because this is our second time around, and I, I, was, I thought, you know, we really want this to be like each one of these videos is its own universe. So that if you look at all three of them, you won't know it was done in the same day or in the same place or anything. So, um, so Ron and I brought, you know, lots of clothes and... We created three completely distinct environments. So one of the pieces is "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas," and I'm not gonna, I, I'm, I'm not going to let you know how beautiful this is or why it's beautiful. But just suffice to say, it's this extraordinary little piece of art. And then we also recorded um, "A Star in the East," which is Ron's original tune, and that has a completely different lit look to it. And if you look very carefully, there's about a hundred pound dog lying on the floor right behind our chairs. <laughs> and so, so it was just incredibly fun to, and, and the, the third one that we did was the Carol of the Bells 
mishmash, which also has the Lomar May tune and has um, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen in, in, embedded in that piece of music. And so that one, if you look carefully, you'll see three kings in the background. And, and so it was just, it was really, it, it's very sort of labor intensive to put these uh, projects together. I mean, first the recording itself is its own thing, um, but then to actually start doing these other things that are part of the process too. It's a lot of scheduling it. And then of course, when you've got a video crew, you have to have craft services. So then you want to have like something delicious for them to eat. It's a very long day. So that was kind of a, a beautiful and rewarding project that was associated with our new CD. Yeah. Last year at this time, the two of you released your first recording together, Fermi's Paradox. And that's because you finally had the time and the space to actually make music together because you're so busy with all of your other endeavors. Your second recording is now out. Why did you want this next project to be a holiday recording? I think that we both really love the repertoire. And I think that one of the great things as musicians who have been recording for many decades, it's really an opportunity to grab the music that you love a lot and then reimagine it. Because of course, we've never, we've never arranged, I've never arranged for lute and gamba. In making Christmas recordings for Ensemble Galilee, you have recorders and bagpipes and fiddles. And so this was an opportunity to really, really sort of not just pare down the ideas, but to find ways to make a recording for three musicians where you don't feel like you've heard that texture before, you know, to really create a sonic field that's incredibly expansive with very narrow resources. And also because Ron and I enjoy each other's musical companies so much, it seemed like just a really, really exciting possibility. What does the Christmas season mean to you? If you could each kind of share your thoughts about what this time of year means to you, I'd really appreciate it. Sure. Um, I, I suppose the first thoughts are, are near the beginning of your life, how Christmas feels as a child. You have a great feeling of joy, of course, the presence under the tree. But then as you grow up, it becomes more and more a spiritual time of year. It's a time when, when people, I think, tend to feel more hope, more joy. I think those things are expressed, are expressed in the album. And I guess as I've got older, the meaning becomes more and more deeply spiritual. But the celebration aspect of it is paramount all, all around uh, with all the people you see around you, wherever you go. There's a sort of uplifted spirit that time of year. Uh, oftentimes, I think it's the greatest time of year to be in New York. The few times I've been in New York right around Christmas time, the city just feels different that time of year than it does any other time. Uh, it's a beautiful time of year. I love it. I, for me, I have a very different experience of Christmas. I, for me, Christmas is a, a most bittersweet moment. Um, I think that, it, you know, it's, it's when the nights are longest and the days are shortest. And it's a time when we hold those dear ones close. And it's also a time when our dear ones are no longer here to be held close. So um, I think that for me, 
it's both and it's it's a moment of of great joyousness but it's also a moment of emotional austerity for me um, it's a time to sort of reflect on the great gifts of the year and also to i guess to really take note of the ways that christmas will never be again but I, you know i'm a gamba player that's my thing <laughs> i really i can really find the place where um where the darkness resonates even at a time that's a joyous time i think that's important to remember for sure um especially for for those of us who have experienced loss around the holidays or any time of year it seems like it's amplified around the holidays isn't it 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 does and, and but i think of that also is it's my own moment of beauty you know that while it is that at christmas we are not surrounded with some of the people that we love because they've they're no longer with us the memories of them and their their place in our lives is so poignant and beautiful on this recording you're honoring and celebrating everything that christmas can be and also some of the unexpected ways that it's been transformed how do we hear that through the music i don't think christmas will ever be the same after 2020 i mean our our moment our notion our ideas our our ways of moving through time and space i mean it, it it's a very different world right now and one of the things that i thought was really really beautiful about the way that this CD and this music came together was, for instance, in the Carol of the Bells, um, which for those of you for whom that doesn't ring a bell, it's the one that goes dun da da dum bum ba da dum bum ba da dum bum ba da dum. So it's that piece. And so Ron did this beautiful arrangement which overlays, you have God rest you merry gentlemen. And then you also have the Lo Marme, which is a piece of music that most people have no idea what it is, but for Ron and I, it's part of our musical history. Because it was an incredibly popular tune in the 16th and end of the 15th century, I think. Um, so it was this magnificently popular tune that he and I grew up knowing because we were in early music. And it too fits in with Carol of the Bells. So this idea of transforming, we're, we're sort of in the music, we're transforming the music in much of the way that in our lives, in the world, Christmas has been transformed. The other piece that's really interesting is the Wexford Carol. And if you listen to the Wexford Carol, there are a lot of different kinds of recordings of it. And it goes from being very, very slow. I think Sting did one that's like really slow and really mournful. And Ron did this beautiful arrangement that's much jiggier. I mean, it's much more like a jig. It really was a matter of, in some ways, reimagining it. And when we did, we were approaching Luli Lule, which is a very, very old piece of music. 
instead of taking something that we had ever done before, we approached it in a way that we have never done before. starts with Jackie Moran playing the melody on the banjo. Jackie is this incredibly great Irish musician from Chicago. And so it's like, it's just not the way you're used to hearing that tune. You're used to sort of hearing that beautiful tune and it's a little thing. And all of a sudden here you have a completely reimagined version of it, which was really based on the idea of the, the pageant that it came from. Um, because the moment that it exists in this pageant is a very, very dark moment. And then when we did um, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, definitely not a gamba and lute piece. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that this piece has never been recorded with gamba and lute before. So we really were in the process of, of looking at pieces that we love, that have something to say that's meaningful right now. than reimagining them. In the original words for Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, the words were so dark that they weren't allowed to be published. So they had to write a version of the text that was not as dark as the original words were. And, and what they ended up with was a kind of reflection of, well, we'll have to muddle through somehow. So have yourself a merry little Christmas now. I mean, so it's not like ho, ho, ho. It's like, gosh, this is hard. We're just gonna have to come through this together. While it is a recording that musically stands by itself, it also, is really a reflection of where we are, who Ron and I are, and what we wanted to say to the world. Some of the layers and some of the medleys that you've created are so inspired. You've just mentioned a couple. One of my favorites is Wondrous Love, Walking in the air. Tell tell me a little bit about that and how you decided to put these two tunes together, which I would never have paired together. <laughs> right. It was actually Carolyn's idea to put them together. Um, I brought the the piece Walking in the Air to one of our rehearsals. It's something that I I had loved for a long time because it was music from The Snowman, which was an animated Christmas movie. And uh, very magical, kind of, kind of whimsical um, children's movie. But I loved it, and I loved the the song "Walking in the Air." I made a version of it for uh, for lute, and thought we could also make a wonderful version of it for viola da gamba and lute. 
But the idea of putting it together along with what wondrous love is this, and then also creating a sort of bridge between the two was completely Carolyn's inspiration. I thought it worked incredibly well. song, What Wondrous Love Is This, before, uh, with the singer singing the words. And when Carolyn's playing it, she's imagining, actually thinking the words of particular verses when she's playing. And so you've got to think the words, you've got to imagine the words as you're, as you're hearing the piece sung on the viola da gamba. One of the incredibly great joys of, of playing with Ron is... I love the way that the gamba can accompany the lute and the lute can accompany the gamba. And when I'm singing, you know, Wondrous Love or um, Sure on This Shining Night, the, the experience of bringing those songs with the lute to life is a really extraordinary experience every time, like even in rehearsal when we're just like, we're just rehearsing. But it's this opportunity where the music just becomes completely the music. There's like no artifice, there's no silliness, sort of, There, there's no conversation about, uh, you know, do you wanna do something dynamically here? We're in the, the moment of the music together when we sit down to play. And it's, a, it's, it's an extraordinary thing. It really is. I've, you know, I think Carolyn often knows what I'm thinking at all times, but and I often have no idea what Carolyn's thinking. But when we begin to play, it often feels like we're just playing with one brain together, uh, without having to talk about it. You just sort of lock in. It's an experience that I've I've rarely had with other musicians. Maybe just a couple of other folks ever. And um, it's, it's really something to be cherished because it is so rare to be able to connect uh, in that way with another musician. It's just having a kind of ESP uh, working, a two-way ESP. The title track of this recording, A Star in the East, was written by you, Ron, specifically for Carolyn. makes me wonder if this piece represents the new journey the two of you are experiencing. Can you talk a little bit about it? Sure. I, I think I, I felt so so happy and excited to play with Carolyn. I wanted to create some music specifically for us together. And, and also write for the viola da gamba in a way that exploited exactly what the viola da gamba can do. Um, and also specifically what Carolyn can do. Carolyn's a very lyrical player. And then there are places where the gamba goes down into the basement um, and, and allows the lute to, to have its safe for a little bit. I 
I think as Carolyn was saying earlier, one of the, the great pleasures is that we, we can accompany one another. There isn't always the, um, the idea that one is the soloist and the other is the accompanist, but it can work both ways and also in between where we have a kind of counterpoint going on, a kind of interweaving of musical lines at all times. So I guess it was in a way just my way of saying, yes, I'd like to keep keep this going. I'd like to keep playing music. I'd like to um, to create this piece of music for us to, to play into the future. Carolyn, what does that feel like to have a piece written specifically with you in mind? Well, I can tell you exactly what it was like the first time we played it because it was like, oh, this is so beautiful. <laughs> It was really quite thrilling. And uh, and as Ron said, I, I think that the whole viola da gamba gets to be present in a way that's um, it's pretty unusual. I mean, a lot of times I'm playing high or low. And this piece of music has just this beautifully wide, both practical, sonic, and emotional range. And it's just it's just really very thrilling, actually. What is the story behind Early Christmas Morning? Early Christmas Morning um, is just my vision of childhood Christmas. Just imagining um, if you have an upstairs to the house, um, children running down the stairs Christmas morning and just the the innocent joy of, of Christmas morning from a child's eye point of view. express that in sound and um, create the variety of what what boys and girls might might enjoy about a, an early Christmas morning. And you've included the Grinch on this recording in an original piece, which is another kind of little medley that you've melded together. It was a droll little melody that I played that I thought I wanted to include on this. Carolyn listened to it, and she says, I hear that, and I think, Grinch on the Run. And I'm like, yes, that's the name for it, because it didn't really have a name before then. But when she said Grinch on the Run, I realized that was the true name for this piece, because um, it's just a conniving little tune that's up to no good. And the connection with the other piece overlaying that Grinch on the Run was completely Carolyn's idea. I, I never would have thought of that. It's, I think, just a stroke of brilliance uh, that they, they actually go together. Carolyn, you have written a piece inspired by letters you received from your Swedish immigrant great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. 
is the story behind it and how it represents her? Well, um, my great-grandmother was a Swedish immigrant who arrived in this country in the 19th century and ended up having, with her husband, a farm outside of Middletown, Connecticut. And she wrote to my grandmother every week. They wrote back and forth. And the letter started with, Dearest Mizzy Mine and Family. And uh, my grandmother's house was the most wonderful place for me. And it was the place where music started for me. My grandmother played recorder and mandolin, and my grandfather played guitar and accordion and trumpet, and they had a pump organ in the house. And and when my sister and I would spend the night there, they would sit outside of this tiny bedroom and play us to sleep. And they would play camp songs and western, you know, old paint and the streets of Laredo, and, and they would sing and play together. Um, my grandmother passed away. My grandfather sold the house, and for decades it stood abandoned, not far from where I lived, you know, maybe 30 miles. And I would periodically drive by, and it was so lonely and empty to see this house with broken windows and graffiti on it and this place that it had meant so much to me. And so one night after an Ensemble Galilee concert, and it was a winter solstice and a full moon, and I went there to the house and I walked up the stone steps because it was near a quarry and I get to the top and the house is gone. It had burned to the ground. And where there had been just brambles and brambles, there was nothing. And and I was given back all of my most wonderful memories because there was nothing there. There was nothing left to grieve. And I wrote this tune the next day. It's really a tribute to, uh, to the bittersweet nature of Christmas, you know, to, to those things that we remember so fondly and with so much love, but we just remember them. We don't have them. They only exist in our memory. What was the piece that for each of you had to be included on this recording? No ifs, ands, or buts. For me, I think it was Carol of the Bells. That, um, especially once I realized that other pieces could be inserted into the Carol of the Bells. I've got to say, that's been one of my favorite Christmas pieces ever since I can remember hearing it. I've always loved that one. But being able to put God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen and the Lohomar May Melody, I even found that We Three Kings works with it, but we figured, okay, enough is enough. But um, just messing around with the piece... You know, I didn't have any grand idea. Sometimes the best ideas come from just messing around, just playing almost like a toy, playing with your instrument, playing with the notes. We sort of worked out the arrangement in in rehearsals, trying one and another thing, trying them in various sequences. So while I'm credited as the arranger, the arrangements are really joint projects. I'll, I'll bring the raw materials and a, basically an idea and we'll play through it and try it out various ways. We'll try it out this way, try it the opposite way. Um, Carolyn has an amazing talent for thinking outside the box, thinking of things that I never would have imagined. That's also one of the great joys of, of rehearsals. Um, I think I've never come to a rehearsal 
uh, with Carolyn thinking, oh, I've got to go to a rehearsal. I'm always really happy to go. And it's a couple, two or three hours of of exploration. Of, of course, it's work and trying to to work out the music, but it's it's also a time of, of exploration, of trying things out, of imagining things that may not have happened before. So that was the case with Carol of the Bells. And when we finally got the arrangement together, it just felt like the piece that had to go in the project. That was the one for me. Carolyn? Well, Ron brought Sure on the Shining Night. Which I had never heard of before, and um, and the music is by Samuel Barber, and the words are by James Agee, and and I love James Agee, and when we started playing it, there was something intensely magical about it. Again, I'm reading the words while I'm playing it, have the words in my head. And there's a kind of stillness in it and great beauty. And, and every time it feels as if it's the first time. There's nothing in the structure of it that's terribly predictable. I mean, it's, it's just not the same every time a new phrase comes by. Sometimes you hold the last note of the phrase two beats and sometimes you hold it three beats and sometimes there are two beats in between the start of the next one and sometimes there are three and sometimes you hold it five and and the way that he constructed it is just so unbelievably imaginative and in the moment at the same time i was reading a book by annie dillard called the may trees which takes place on the cape and i know that james agee spent a bunch of time up on the cape and i just have this feeling of the ocean and the sand and this and the moon and and i feel like when we're playing it i'm there and i just i i I'm sort of speechless when it comes to describing what it means to me to be part of the experience of playing that with Ron. Ron McFarlane and Carolyn Surick with their new holiday recording, A Star in the East, and they're already working on a third project together. Thanks to Valerie Kaler, our producer for New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher.